coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. So you're investing in your work more than your marriage? Guess where your passion is? You're investing in the kids more than the marriage? Guess where your passion is? And here's the next thing that happens, and it's awful. And that is your spouse begins to complain and ask you to come back to them, and you feel conflicted because you don't want to. Because there's no passion there. This is Matthew 6. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, Don't lay up all your money on earth. You know, lay up treasures in heaven. In other words, you know, give to the Lord and and, and have a, a mind toward eternity and things like that. And then Jesus says this line here. This is, this is where it's a very, very powerful sentence. Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay. Well, the word treasure is the word thesaurus, if you all know what a thesaurus is. And the word treasure means treasure, but it means a repository of treasures. It's a treasure chest. It's a place that you put your treasures. Jesus said, wherever your treasure chest is, there will your cardia, that's the Greek word for heart, there will your cardia be also. The word cardia means the seat of your passions. Here's what Jesus is saying. Wherever you're putting the best of your life, your passion will always be there. You can't separate your passion from your treasure. In fact, your passion tells on you. You say, well, are you passionate about your marriage? No, not really. You know, you're passionate about God? No, not really. Passionate about NASCAR? Oh, I love NASCAR. You're passionate about football? Oh, oh, I just can't. I'm a fantasy football. See, your passion is telling you where you're putting your treasures. And so Jesus said this, if you lay up your treasures on earth, your passion is going to be on the earth somewhere. But if you lay up your treasures toward God in heaven, that's where your passion is going to be. Now listen to me. Givers don't backslide. A person who gives to the Lord, they don't backslide. Because their heart's with God. When you give the best of your time, talents, and treasures to God, your passion's there. It tells on you. Okay. When you don't give the best of your time, talents, and treasures to God, you'll always struggle with God. You'll always struggle with the desire. And I'm saying, I've been there, done that. That's how I lived the first years of our marriage, is I was not a good husband. I was not a godly man. I was not a giver. I, was, I didn't serve the Lord. And, and I always struggled with the world. I always struggled with temptation. And, and all of those things until my treasure came back to God. And so the way we fall in love is we give each other our best. It is. You, you fell in love because you got interested in each other. You started going out and you knocked yourself out the first times you went out. I mean, you invested your, the best of your time and talents and treasure. You said no to other things so you could say yes to each other. And guess what? You fell in love. But that's also how you fall out of love. There was a, a woman who did a study, Jane Aldous, and it was a sociological study that she did, a um, very large study, and she was uh, finding out um, how marriages operate and the, the, the most uh, happy time in marriage. 
And what she found was that, and this doesn't surprise anyone, the best years of marriage are the early years of marriage, typically. They're the first three or four years, uh, especially the years before children. Okay. So a couple gets married, they're, they're in love, and they have great years until the kids come around. But when the kids come around, the marriage satisfaction typically drops. Okay. And the marriage satisfaction gets the absolute worst when kids are in junior high and high school, in secondary school. And if you survive that, and one day they leave when they're 17, 18, 37, 38, somewhere in there. <laughs> if someday they leave and you survive it, your marriage gets better. This is what she found. Marriage is best at the very beginning. It dips when the kids come. It goes worse when they're in secondary school. Then when they leave, the marriage gets a little bit better. Not as good as it was at the first. Well, let me say something to you. God makes marriage to get better every year. What a crazy thing that some rookie is better than someone who's been married 30 years. Well, also, what a crazy thing that you got two or three good years and then goodbye, the honeymoon's over. What a horrible concept of marriage that is. And so here, here's the problem um, when you're not sowing into your marriage. Here's the problem that it creates. Um, you're giving what belongs to your spouse to somebody else and it creates jealousy in your spouse. See, we, we know Genesis 2.24 says, for this cause a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. We know we, we belong to each other first. We know that. We instinctively know that when we get married. I know that Karen belongs to me before she belongs to the kids. I know that she belongs to me before she belongs to her family, her parents. That Karen, I belong to Karen before I belong to marriage today or, or anybody else. I've, we belong to each other first and, and, when my spouse takes what belongs to me and gives it to her friends or gives it to the kids or my husband takes it and gives it to work or whatever, I get jealous. It's, it's a legitimate jealousy. And by the way, Exodus 34, God says, my name is Jealous, capital J. One of God's names is capital J Jealous. God created us for him first, and he is jealous of anything that takes us away from him. Let me tell you something. The reason that God is a jealous God is because he's madly in love with us. And he's not willing for us to go lightly. When we begin to drift away from him, he fights for us. And we need to be thankful that we have a God that fights for our hearts. He loves us so much. But we're the same way with each other. If we begin, we get married, we're investing in each other. We say no to other things. Our treasure is each other. We're putting the best of our life in each other. And guess what? We fall in love. And we get married. And so why does the marriage satisfaction drop? When the kids are born, it shouldn't. It should not drop whatsoever. Why does it drop? Because when kids come around, typically men turn their hearts to their work and women turn their hearts to the kids. And now we're not first anymore. A man has his career, the woman has her kids, and they have big fights of where you get work all the time. Well, when I come home, you don't pay any attention to me. Oh, you're a worn out after taking care of the kids. Kids take all your time and attention. And then secondary school, why, why, why is that so stressful? Because they're more expensive than ever, and you're a chauffeur that has to take them all over the earth. They're, they're busy. They're stressed out. They're stressing you out. They're active. They're trying to break every law in the books. You know, they're, and you're the warden. You're the financier. You're everything, you know. And it puts the stress on your relationship. And then when they leave someday, and you have an empty nest, typically the satisfaction is a little better. But damage has been done. It can be undone, but damage has been done. Here, here's another problem of investing in someone other than your spouse. There's going to be a harvest. 
See, I, what I would do is I would go golfing, and I was a good golfer. And um, I was a three or four handicap, and I thought, you know, if I can trim a few strokes off my score, I can start competing seriously and all of that. And so I'd go out and play golf with my friends. Well, I was sewing on the golf course. Guess where my passion was? My passion was on the golf course. My greatest moments in life were on the golf course. And I would come home, and Karen would just be looking at me with that sour kind of a, where have you been looking? The, the night that we almost divorced, I came in from playing golf, and she complained. I said, get out of the house. Get out, get out of here. Go back to your parents. I don't care where you go. I'm sick of your attitude. And she went in the bedroom crying. And so you're investing in your work more than your marriage. Guess where your passion is? You're investing in the kids more than the marriage. Guess where your passion is? And here's the next thing that happens, and it's awful. And that is your spouse begins to complain and ask you to come back to them, and you feel conflicted because you don't want to. Because there's no passion there. And this is what happens. Karen began to complain to me. I was out of love with Karen. She was out of love with me. I didn't like her. We had hurt each other a lot. And I, I, just, I just thought that she was unfair. I thought that she was a bad wife. I thought I made a mistake. And I look back on those days, and it was wrong, but it was so real. And my passion was with my friends. My passion was in golf. My, all my passions were there. And Karen was fighting for our marriage. She was being a good wife. She was fighting for my heart. But I remember when she would be standing there saying, why don't you come home? Why don't you come home from work? Why don't you take off more? Why don't you say no to your friends and come home and be with me and the kids? And I would just be looking at her like, I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be with you. We were out of love. Well, how do you get it back? You know, and I'm saying not just from 100% to zero, but like if you're at 30% of the passion that you once had or 50% of the passion that you once had. How do you get it back? It's so easy to get it back. Jesus tells us how. This is Revelation chapter 2. And Jesus is coming. These are the letters to the seven churches that Jesus writes. And this is the first one. This is the church at Ephesus. And Jesus just says all kinds of good stuff about the church at Ephesus. All these really dutiful things that they're doing. But here's what he says to him. This is interesting. I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Now, here's what Jesus says. I'm not, I'm not good with anything less than first love, passionate love. I'm not good with that. Why? Because somebody has your first love. See, when you fell in love with each other, when you lose that, it doesn't just go away, it moves. Somebody else has your first love. Jesus, I'm not going to take second place. You think I'm going to take second place? I have something against you. You have left your first love. And if you don't change, I'm going to move, remove your lampstand. And the lampstand means representing him, his anointing and blessing as a church. See, lukewarm Christians are a bad advertisement for a great God. And he won't have it. He's just too great of a God to have a bunch of lukewarm people representing him. He wants a passionate group of people. We are walking billboards for our God. We're also walking billboards for our spouse. And one of the most unpleasant things in the world is to sit and listen to someone complain about their spouse. Not just complain, but be ugly about it. I am a walking advertisement for Karen Evans. And I'm telling you, she's fabulous. She's fabulous.
and we were out of love. I told Karen I came home from playing golf and all my passion was in golf and my heart was not turned toward my children. I was, I was a poor father. And I came home and Karen complained to me about golf and I yelled at her and told her to get out of the house. And that morning I had read the Bible. I read the Bible every morning. I, you know, I was a, an idiot, but I was a very sanctified idiot. And uh, I had read the Bible that morning in John 16 and it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. And it, and, it's, and it hit me. When I read that, it just hit me. And um, when Karen went, went into the bedroom crying, I sat down in the living room and I thought, I'm losing my marriage. I just can't believe this is happening to me. I, I don't know what to do. And when I, I sat down, I remembered that scripture. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. I was a very arrogant person. I never, I never admitted I never did anything wrong. I uh, blamed everything on Karen. And um, I said, Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a husband. Well, when I, when I prayed that prayer, something, it was like something fell off of my eyes. I, don't, I really don't know how to explain it. Something fell off of my eyes. The moment before that, the moment before that, I thought, I'm Mr. Wonderful, and I accidentally married the devil's ex-wife. You know, I mean, boy, isn't this a terrible thing. The instant after I prayed that prayer, I thought, I'm the biggest idiot in the world. And I've got a wonderful woman in there, and I've crushed her with my mouth, my, my attitude. And I went into the bedroom, and I said to Karen, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I've treated you. I'm sorry for the way I've talked to you. And I'm going to hang up my golf clubs. Now, when I told her that I was hanging up my golf clubs, she knew that Jesus had touched my heart. And um, we didn't fall back in love that night. We Not at all. So I woke up I, the next day, and I went to work, and I came home, and I was nicer to Karen. I wasn't mean to her. And I, I was careful in how I said things. And I helped with the kids, and I helped around the house, and nothing changed that day. I did it the next day, and I did it the next day, and I did it the next day. And I think it was 10 or ten days or two weeks or something that somebody laughed. And when somebody laughed, I thought, you know, it's been a long time since anybody laughed in this house. But it began to get lighthearted again. And several weeks later, we were friends. And several months later, we were deeply in love. And we've never lost it. Because we will not change our thesaurus. The best of my life goes to Jesus Christ. He deserves the best. The second best of my life goes to Karen Evans. And I will not change that. Wherever your treasure is, wherever your repository is, there will your passion be also. And so... If your passion has decreased, it's just telling you you're not putting in there what you used to put in there. Somebody else is getting what belongs to your spouse. And the conflicted emotions are normal. But you can get it back. You can get back the love that you have for each other simply by changing your thesaurus. Let me, let me talk for just a minute about how to create lasting passion in your marriage. And I'll close. Focus on yourself. And this is the most important thing. And, and the question is, are you being, are you giving your best in the marriage? For example, what a lot of people do in marriage is they, they defend themselves based on their spouse's behavior. And they say, well, no, I'm not, but my spouse is doing this. But that's, that's not the question. The question is, are you doing your best? 
And I'll talk about redemptive love in another session, but it's very important. The second is deal with the root issues that cause you to turn away in the first place. For example, uh, laziness in taking your spouse for granted. That's what That was me. I was lazy. I was relationally lazy. And once we got married, I thought we just ought to have a great marriage because we were married. I didn't know it took work. I didn't know that I had to be nice to her or anything like that. I had completely unrealistic expectations. I was lazy. I was a lazy husband. Another thing is disappointment and frustrations. Most people get married with unrealistic expectations in marriage. And the number one reason for divorce isn't money or children or anything like that. It's disappointment. We get married. Our spouse doesn't meet our expectations. We get disappointed, and we turn our heart away. Turn our heart to the kids. Turn our heart to work. Turn our heart to something else. So, in other words, what I'm saying is if, if you've fallen out of love and you don't have the passion that you once had, you may have 70%, you may have 50%, but you don't have that passion that you used to have. You have to examine the root issue and say, yeah, I got disappointed. You broke my heart. But a lot of times the problem isn't just in our spouse, it's in our own expectations. Jesus said that uh, wherever our treasure is, there would our heart be also. And it, it just simply means whenever you're investing yourself in someone or something, your passion's going to go there. Mm-hmm. And we, we experience this in marriage. And so we have a couple of questions from viewers that kind of go along with this topic today. Okay. The first one uh, writes, after 32 years of marriage, my parents divorced. I'm worried that my marriage may suffer the same thing. How can we keep this from happening? Well, you know, I think that it's a good question because if your parents divorced and you're saying, well, you know, uh, they, you know, went for so many years and got divorced, I don't want that to happen to me. What the most people do is they just get lazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you fall in love because you're investing in the relationship. It's, it's no secret that you fall in love. Mm-hmm. You knock yourself out. You know, you go to a lot of trouble to be together. You say no to other things. And again, going back to Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, your passion is going to be there. That's the secret of lasting passion. Mm-hmm. So if you never change the investment that you're making in each other first, before the kids, before work, before anything else, you're just going to stay in love. Mm-hmm. But, but it doesn't matter who you are. If you put work first, if you put kids first, if you put something else first, you're, it's just not going to work. When I'm thinking about, you know, my own life and our marriage and, you know, the two battles I was always fighting with myself on, were, you know, having fear or faith. You know, am I going to fear that you're going to do something? Is Am I going to live in the fear that, you know, the next fight's going to lead to divorce? And, you know, when I'm hearing this, my heart breaks for the the Mm -hmm. children, you know, knowing that his parents after 32 years, I mean, that's hard. And so my first thought is immediately fear that that's going to happen to me. And, you know, you've, you've got to keep these battles always at the forefront of, no, our marriage is going to make it because we've got God. We can trust that God's word's going to be the answers to what we need. And that, um, you know, the, you know, maybe even praying that your parents get back together. Yeah. But, you know, you, we've got to keep the faith and we've got to be able to keep believing for the best in our marriages because we're hit all day long with stressful, yeah. you know, negative people outside the marriage that affect us, you know, and so, you know, it's, it's, there's just more to it. And I just think that, um, in this situation, you know, in their marriage, you know, if they, like you're saying, if they just start doing the right thing and they keep at it and keep at it, you know, they'll see the good fruits of their marriage. Yeah. And I think, Karen, a lot of, a lot of, uh, fear is based on ignorance. Mm-hmm. You know, we fear what we don't understand. And the reason for this teaching today 
is when you understand wherever you're investing your life, you're going to be passionate there. Mm -hmm. And when people fall out of love, they've been married for 32 years or 10 years, and they look at each other and say, we're out of love. You know, you're, you're not out of love. Your love went somewhere else. It's in your children. It's in your work. It's in mm -hmm. something else. You took the, the passion, the investment that you were making in your marriage, you turned it somewhere else. And so let me say this another way. If you're not investing the best of your life in Jesus, you're going to fall out of love with That's Jesus. True. It's not just your spouse. Is that if, if work comes before Jesus, if money comes before Jesus, if something else does, you're going to have a hard time getting fired up about serving God. Mm -hmm. So the, the good news is, is this, this is a universal truth that Jesus gives that says, wherever you're investing the best of your life, your passion's always going to be there. So you don't have to fear that you're going to fall out of love. Just be sure to, to practice the discipline of talking communicating, being together, having fun together, spending time together, like you did when you fell in love. Mm -hmm. And as you do that, it will ensure that your marriage is going to last. And not just last, but, but be passionate the way that God designed. And we hope that this program today has been helpful to you. You know, we're a mission in a ministry. We go all over the world. We're broadcast every day, multiple times a day, into over 110 million homes in North America and over 200 countries worldwide. And our mission is to help people just like you to understand how God designed marriage and how you can thrive in marriage, not just survive. And people don't need to live in fear. People don't need to live in ignorance. And certainly don't, they don't need to be lonely and alone. God made marriage so that we would have a lifelong companion that we could share life with in passion, in pleasure, in intimacy. And so that's what we love to do is to help people in that regard. We have our television program. We have our events, we have our, our website, we have our resources, over a 100 marriage building resources. And I just want to thank all of you who stand with us financially. We cannot do this without you. And if you haven't been giving to us, or if you want to give again, the information is there on your screen. Please consider giving your most generous gift to help us here at Marriage Today lift the standard around the world for marriage and family. We thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time. God bless you.